This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. Well, after what was an incredibly long booth review, it appears as if your presidential election has been decided. Uh, as Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said, the Electoral College has spoken. So today I want to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. So that's so great. Be- Wouldn't it be so great if you saw guys in referee shirts for the last four weeks and they're just looking at it and you heard Tony Romo say, well, this angle from this angle, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Take it off the headset. Yeah, it's really good. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So as luck would have it, I enjoyed that bit so much, and I was so surprised by it, and Nigel's um, dexterity in putting it in there made me so happy that I emailed Tom Friedman of the New York Times with what we had done and how we had cast it. And I said, well, what would you expect from sports writers that they would certainly know how to do that and make it instant replay? And he just thought it was brilliant. He laughed. Oh, he replied. Oh, he replied. He said it was great. Yeah, it was great. So why would you think he wouldn't reply? I don't know. Most of your your emails just sort of linger. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, no. no, He replied. He replied. So I was very happy about that. We've got a lot of things. Michael is here. We've got a lot of small things today that I wanted to get to. One large thing from upstate. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. The snow in Binghamton, New York. I'm going to get to that. But the first thing I want to get to is we got this lovely card. It's, it's absolutely lovely. Merry Christmas from the Van Hooks. And it's a father and a mother and two children. And on the back, it says, 2020 has been like no year before. And that is true for our family as well. By the way, they live in Jacksonville, Florida. And then it says Graham, and it mentions Graham. So Michael has a backstory here. Yeah, explain. Well, one of my good friends. I just assumed it was a card for Michael. One of my good friends who now lives in Philly with his lovely wife and their now two kids named Graham, who spoke at our wedding, was in the wedding ceremony. So I get to the chair and I see this card waiting for me. Dad says, it's from your friend, Graham. From Graham. It's from Graham. But it's not. It's not Graham Williams. Okay, so it's Graham Van Hook. Says Graham, and then I should have read more because I would have known from the next sentence. Graham took command of the USS Tornado in May and was deployed over the summer to South America via the Panama Canal. We welcomed our daughter, Charlie Ann, on May 31st, and she and brother Jackson kept Katie busy while dad was away. We're extremely excited to announce that we'll be back in the Mid-Atlantic in 2021, moving to Washington, D.C. Graham will take a job with the House and Senate Appropriations Committee as a liaison to the Navy, and Katie will finally be living in the city where she works. We wish everyone a very happy and healthy holiday season. We continue to thank God for the life and family he has blessed us with. It's lovely. It's absolutely lovely. But I don't know them. I mean, maybe I know them and I'm just forgetting them, and Michael doesn't know them. But but, but here, here's the question. So thank it's, you to the Van Hooks. It thank is, you. It is addressed to the Kornheiser family, not yes. to Tony, not to Tony and Carol. Right. And it's not your address. Right. So what do I do with that? It would, yes, it would, that's exactly right. It was not my address. But it's close enough it's close. that it's going to get to the correct street with the correct mail carrier to get to your house. Yeah, so Rhonda, because be Rhonda play. knows what she's doing. Yeah, you at know. least it wasn't set to chatters. Right, it was not. So anyway, so thank you to <laughs> the Van Hooks. Now, now, this is the prelude to what I'm going to talk about with Binghamton. This is from Samuel Israel in Binghamton. He's a senior this coming, he's a senior now. He's going to graduate in 21. I'm a senior at Binghamton University who's a contributor to the sports section of Pipe Dream. I recently wrote an article about you purchasing a cardboard cutout for the Binghamton home games. I thought I'd send you the article in case you wanted to check it out. I, I think you'll frame en- it. think you'll enjoy it. As a fellow Long Islander who attended Binghamton University and aspires to be a sports talk show host like yourself, I didn't aspire. Okay, you expired. I- expired. Expired. <laughs> I'm a major fan. That being said, it would mean a lot to me if you found some time to check it out. I even tried to incorporate it. So he just said, imagine going to the free throw line in a close game. You look up in the stands, you see a cardboard cut out of your dog sporting Binghamton gear. It may sound crazy, but amid the COVID-19 pandemic, this is a reality that Binghamton student-athletes will now face during home games at the events center. Remember that 
Those two words, events center. Although Bearcat fans may not be able to attend games in person for the foreseeable future, that won't stop fans from making their presence felt at home games. Thanks to an effort led by Athletics Ticket Sales Manager Mike Majeski, fans can purchase cardboard cutouts of themselves to be placed into the event center stands. It's on our website. They're $70 each, Majeski said. Once we get your order, it's two-week turnaround until you're in the stands here at the event center. On the site, fans will have the option to upload a personalized photo display that will be placed in the event center. The cutouts will be placed in the west chairback sections and will be visible on camera for the television broadcast. Therefore, if you tune into ESPN Plus or ESPN 3, I didn't even know we had three, uh, you may get a chance to see your cutout in action. At least one notable alumnus has taken advantage of the opportunity. One of Binghamton University's most famous alumni, ESPN's Pardon the Interruption co-host Tony Kornheiser, class of 70, purchased cutouts of his family for the stands. At BU, Kornheiser was sports editor of the Colonial News, which later became Pipe Dream. Kornheiser discussed the cutouts on the November 16th show that, you know, the podcast. You get to be there for the whole season, Kornheiser said. I sent in a check for more than required money, and I said, do what you want with the rest of my money. It's my school. Do what you want with it. His co-host and son, Michael Kornheiser, mentioned on air that he called Majeski to figure out the requirements for the photos. Yeah, it's nice. Reflecting on the process, Majeski was pleased to witness the engagement from Kornheiser and many other fans. It's been good to hear from a lot of Bearcat fans, current and past alumni, so it's been exciting. So it just goes on and on. So it, it, it's, you know, it's very nice to have done that. You, and Majeski says you can put up your dog or your cat, whoever wants to cheer on the Bearcats. Or your grandson. It looks like he's looking for flowers in a field. That's exactly right. You can do that. Now, why do I bring this up? Because the other day when Washington, D.C. got two inches of snow, Vestal, New York, got 41 inches of snow. Oof. 41 inches of snow, which is what we like to call buffalo. You would say, well, where's Vestal? Well, Vestal's actually where Binghamton University is. It is not in the city of Binghamton, although it is named for Binghamton. It is in the town of Vestal, which is just next door to Binghamton. You drive Route 17 for a mile, you're in Binghamton, okay? The, the, it was so severe that the roof collapsed on the athletic center. It's just it collapsed. Now, I don't know to what degree it's collapsed or how and when it will be repaired or if it's just a tear or something like that. But if it is collapsed, and this is where I gave graduation speech, if it's collapsed, there are no basketball games. Yeah, Bootsy and the Hammer are currently under snow. They're, yeah. They're, they're not making it out. No, so there's, there's none of that. So I thought. People, now, here's where it gets interesting. Aren't they supposed to host their most hated rival, Stony Brook, this weekend? Well, that's yes. not going to happen. Well, I, I would like to know where Stony Brook's team was Wednesday evening. <laughs> well, you think point. they deliberately loosened the bolts? I'm just wondering event? if maybe they left a hose on, a faucet, wow. trying to get an ice layer. It's just unbelievable. It just collapsed. And again, I don't know to what degree it collapsed. I should probably call Harvey Stenger. What's so great is, is what so, 41 social, inches. Social media tweets out like, Prez Harvey made it to campus. Right. We hope to see you here yeah, soon. Yeah, if he can make it, you can make it. So... 41 inches is just astonishing, right? That's snow angel weather. Just 41 inches of snow in Binghamton. They closed a section of I-81. They closed it. It was impassable. So anyway, in other news, from Philippe, Philippe Cache, who signs at Phil from Switzerland, as if we know that. I'm a longtime listener, big fan of your show and PTI from Switzerland. I just listened to you talking about Roger Federer in Switzerland. I'm really proud that you spend so much time on small Switzerland, but I want to clear up a few things. Because I said, what is Switzerland famous for? It's famous for Heidi. It's famous for uh, private numbered bank accounts and for Swiss Miss hot cocoa, which I said was probably manufactured in New Jersey. On running shoes. Yeah. Is that what it's for? Oh, they make those? Okay. K-Swiss. Yeah, that's right. K-Swiss is, yeah, that's tennis gear, right? First, you're right. Swiss Miss is not from Switzerland. Famous chocolate brands are Lint or Toblerone. I don't like Toblerone. I like Lint. Besides chocolate and numbered bank accounts, we're also famous for watches and army knives. Second, uh, is that... So Geneva is Switzerland, and that's where the great watches are made. Philippe Patek is... Yes, Philippe Patek is made in Geneva. still fixing your watch, I believe. Yeah, of course. Second, Roger Federer was voted greatest Swiss athlete in the past 70 years because they give out the award best athlete of the year every year since 1950. Obviously, Federer is the greatest Swiss athlete ever. I think he'd be the greatest athlete from many countries bigger than Switzerland. We're a successful sports nation in regard to our size. 
especially in winter sports like skiing, bobsled, or cross-country. You might also know Mark Street and Roman Josie as former and current NHL players. Maybe you remember Harry Potter lookalike ski jumper Simon Amman, who won four Olympic gold medals, two of them in Salt Lake City. We have world-class athletes in niche sports like Daniela Reef in the Ironman or Nino Schurter in mountain biking. Other Swiss athletes you might know are NBA players Clint Capella and Thabo Sevalosha, and I didn't know that. On a side note, Ben Roethlisberger has Swiss roots. And he said, finally, I would like to be the official Tony Kornheiser show Swiss sports expert. Do we have any other candidates for that, Nigel, or is it going to be Phil? Because I think it's going to be Phil. Yeah, I think Phil's got that locked up. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get to one other thing, which is sort of amazing. From Dr. Tom O'Brien in um, Rockville, Maryland. It was great to hear Mike Breen's name on your show Wednesday. He grew up in my neighborhood near McLean and Central in Yonkers on the border with the Bronx where the Deegan becomes the New York State Thruway. All the Breen boys were good athletes and loved sports. One umpired in my little league way before younger people did that kind of thing. Mike was in the class ahead of me at St. Paul's. The boys from his class and mine, as well as some public school kids, hung in the schoolyard. We played typical New York games such as Ring Alivio, Stickball, and Dogpile. As we aged, we were not the kind you wanted your daughters to hang out with, if you know what I mean. One day we were acting really stupid. And Mike just turned to us and said, I can't hang with you guys anymore. Well, he said it with different words that he would not want me to mention here. We watched as he walked away. There were no hard feelings. I think it was the single most brilliant move in an absolute brilliant life. We love Mike and all that he has become. My kids get sick when I point at the TV and before I can say it, they blurt out, we know you went to school with him. We would see him walk to get his dad the daily news as we grew up. And he would always stop by and talk about being on the radio, etc. Some guys have gone courtside to talk to him at the garden. It's amazing. We all grew up survived and did well for ourselves but we will always consider mike one of ours he's totally self-made like the rest of our connor park guys and another one from andrew bronson in aurora illinois that was a very nice gesture by mike breen to give you some personalized titleists but if he listens to the show shouldn't he know that you play pinnacles which is sort of funny (laughs) now let me tell you the rest of the story was not mike breen who sent those it was adam mandel somehow and adam mandel texted me about this three or four times Somehow on my phone, where all the communication is through texts, Adam Mandel's number was identified as Mike Breen's. It is possible that Mike Breen has never talked to me in my life. It's possible. Because I thought it was Adam Mandel. It's possible that Mike Breen... It's definite that Mike Breen didn't send the golf balls. It's possible that Mike Breen, who, who is now undoubtedly been told that Kornheiser thanked you for the golf balls is looking at someone saying, what are you talking about? This is all possible. I'd like to talk to Mike Breen about this, but my number for Mike Breen is Adam Mandel. So I just get Adam, who I like very much. Adam works for the great Jimmy Dunn. Before the name, does it say maybe? Because sometimes your phone will go through previous communications and add the name of... Sometimes it says maybe Adam Mandel. Okay, I think we have we have solved. What does the that mean, though, for Mike Breen? Is it possible I've never talked to my? I certainly don't have his number. We just need to find the original I've point never of text- communication to see how long this has been going on. And I thought this was Mike Breen. And it's uh, again, it's possible that Mike Breen is saying, "I've never met him. I I know who he is. I don't know him at all. Why would I send him golf balls?" Now, Mike Breen, as I've often said on this show, when I first started listening to the Imus show, Mike Breen was hysterically funny. Doing the news and sports, right, Nigel? Breen oh, yeah, was great. He was absolutely great. I, mean, I think Breen's great. I think he's great talent. I, I don't take back anything I said about working with Jackson and Van Gundy. I think it's a terrific telecast, and I really like Mike Breen, but apparently I don't know Mike Breen, <laughs> and I've been dining out on this wrongly for a while. What do you make of this? I'm just stupid. You, it's Adam. Not, it's not that you're stupid. I feel bad for Adam in this scenario. That's why I wonder yeah. how long has this been going on, because I'm guessing upwards of three or four years. Oh, I don't know. It's that no, no, because I only met Adam a couple of years ago. No, no, not three or four years. He's no. You always you always have to be careful when it says maybe because it means it's gone through your emails and it's just trying to connect the dots for you so you can create a new contact. What do I do about Breen? (laughs) We got to get a real number for him. Yeah, we got to get a number for Nigel. Get a number for Breen. It's easy. All right. It's just it's not that hard. Anyway, so those are the things I wanted to catch everybody up on. did you see the videos of Charlie and Tiger Woods from their practice rounds? I saw on SportsCenter this morning, Charlie Woods' swing is tremendous. It's like Tiger, He's 11. It's like Tiger meets Justin Thomas, which is their first round pairing. The speed that this kid has and then the follow through and the finish. You're like, 
DNA genetics. It's got to be right. Yeah, it's it's great. It's the it's the manner. But will he again, burn he, out? Will he? Because it's his but, Tiger Woods is his dad. It's but then so you hard. hear Tiger's comments where he goes, "I just want my kid to be happy," and then you start thinking where Tiger has been. You actually believe him where you say he can do anything he wants. I want him to be happy, and I want golf to be something that he's asking me to do. All right, we will take a break. Uh, when we come back, Jason Lock and Fora, right? That's right. Okay, great. Jason Lock and Fora, our best guest when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. The Christmas season is officially upon us, and while there's a lot about the holidays that feels different this year, I know one thing that might make them just a little bit brighter. Wonder Woman 1984 is coming out on December 25th, and you'll have two ways to experience the epic adventure, in theaters and streaming exclusively on HBO Max. Believe in Wonder Again with Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, and Pedro Pascal. Wonder Woman 1984 is rated PG-13 and sure to be a wonderful way to celebrate the holiday season with ones you love. Now, Nigel, did you get parts of this wrong when we talked about this movie? This is the sequel to the original Wonder Woman that was a very big hit about three years ago, three or four years ago, right? Yes, I mistakenly thought that it was like time travel. That's how they got back to 1984. But no, the, the actual movie just takes place in 1984. That's where we get it from. So I did have that wrong. Uh, a couple of things. Linda the trailer Carter looks a, tremendous. trailer yeah, looks Lin great. Linda Carter, the original Wonder Woman, apparently has a role in this. And I found out the correct pronunciation for that actress. It's not Gal Gadot, as I thought it oh. was. It's Gal right. Gadot. Gal Gadot? Yes. There's a hard T in that? Gal Gadot? There, yes, there's a hard T at the end of it, yes. All right, so you got two things wrong. A little double speak by <laughs> Nigel. Yeah, you, got, you got two things wrong, if we're counting, right? <laughs> yes, I'll just And you led me. And you led me into a terrible rabbit hole, mispronouncing her name and getting the movie wrong. Okay, great. Ah, uh, great. Thanks. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Elliot Olshansky from Suffolk County sends this along. He's been listening for a long time, emailing for a long time. He says, once again this year, it's my pleasure to send along a song by 613 to celebrate Hanukkah. This song, Avat Shinam, is from the group's most recent album, Volume 8 Lights, and was written by your fellow Binghamton alum, Mike Boxer, along with his son, Max. Avit Shinam means baseless love is intended to offer an alternative to so much of the ugliness we see in the world today. Isn't that nice? Lights, um, which is the album, also includes three parody songs that I wrote lyrics for. The group's latest parody video, Arianica, is based on the music of Ariana Grande and was released on YouTube last week. Isn't that nice? This is a... You did this, Michael, in high school. Yeah, not to this level. No, they were good. Well, you were good. Was it... What was the name of that the group? Alpha Males. Yeah, that's really nice. So thank you to Elliot Olshansky for that. Um, and he plays in Jason Locken Forum. Before we get to Jason, I have this from John Hedeman in Lawrence, Kansas. As a native Baltimorean now living in Kansas, I agree that Jason Locken Forum is your best guest. On my pandemic walks, when I'm up to date on your podcast and PTI, I turn to Jason on 105.7 The Fan on Radio.com. But I do miss Jason ending his segment, making copper bark by speaking Baltimoreese. For me, he brought a bit of home to the plains of Kansas, and he signs it. Thanks, hon. So that's good, isn't it, Jason? You feel good that about is, that? I'm, I'm honored. I'm humbled. Uh, I believe I can speak for my dog to say that he feels yeah. the same way. Because uh, <laughs> we are simpatico in all things, and um, copper is the uh, canine extension of me. So, no, that's awesome. No, that, that is, I am, again, um, I'm honored. I'm touched. And I'm thankful to be here uh, with you guys, as always. That's good. Jason, uh, let us start with what did we learn last night? Because it appears that the Raiders in, are in full-fledged collapse at this point. Yeah, um, they are. Uh, it, it's kind of like, it, it, you know, they were 6-4 and four last year. And I didn't believe in them to the degree that I believed in this offense. I didn't really believe in this football team because there was nothing with the defense to believe in. But I did believe that they were a, a highly functioning offense. Um, but, you know, Tone, football's not played like it, it, it's – there aren't these uh, sub-genres of football. Football is football. It takes all three phases, cliche or not. And 
they tend to bleed over into other aspects of play. And when your defense is failing and your offense has limitations, but but um, by and large, especially your passing game, is thriving, eventually it's, it's all kind of intertwined. And, and it, it, one phase affects others. And they reached a point where the defense was, was so suboptimal that I believe it started to affect the offense, and I believe that John Gruden fired his defensive coordinator, not just to send a message to the defense that this isn't good enough, but I think even more to the point, to send a message to the offense that I hear you, I feel you, you're my guys, I, 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 I get what's going on here, which is you, you, you've reached a point where you think you have to be um, perfect, you think you have to be better than you are just to keep us in these games, just to keep our season alive. And um, having to score 35 points or 38 points or, you know, 40-something points, depending on the opponent any given week, um, isn't really fair to you guys either. And, and, and they have started to melt down. They have started to take a step back. Um, They've started to succumb to turnovers and, and, and forcing the ball around where they probably shouldn't, I, I think in large part because what they were doing, which was very good, still wasn't good enough. And there was this fear that next week we've got to score seven more points or ten more points. And, and, and then the whole sort of house of cards falls down. And, and obviously, you know, Mariota playing last night and everything that went on was – was was not the way they wanted to be finishing their season, but they play Miami next week. I, I don't think that's a recipe for success. Um, and and yeah, they've they've fallen they've fallen off the table. So it's here is John Gruden who has gotten the offense up to number eleven, and it was started out at twenty eight in his first year. By his third yeah. year, it's up to eleven. He's fixed the offense by and large. As you say, the defense is still terrible i understand the bleed over factor this is john gruden is in no danger he's got a 10-year deal he's in no danger but do you have confidence in his ability to get this team to where it is you know consistently good not entirely um yeah you know that setup there mike mayock has never done this before and um They've invested a lot of draft picks in, in in defense, and not a lot of them are um, looking like impact football players, you know. And they they take the kid Farrell as high as they do, and um, you know Jacobs, great pick, you know Renfro, yeah. where they got him, nice player. Um, I, I feel like they've they've done a decent job of hitting on one side of the ball, but not really, but the not other the side. other. You know, yeah, um, and, and Gruden, Gruden is an offensive guy, and Gruden knows what he needs on that side of the ball. But Gruden's always had some blind spots defensively, and I suspect this is another offseason where they're going to invest a lot of uh, human capital draft picks and, and, and money on, on, on free agents on defensive players. But I, I don't see a whole lot there. I, I mean, some of the guys that they've, they've, they've drafted in the – um, the secondary, they flash here and there, but I don't know, Tone. I, I, I think they need pass rushers. I think they need run stuffers. Uh, I think they need a lot of help over there. Let me, t- let me t- turn this to something else because you mentioned Miami. Brian Flores has a game. I, I guess it's a little, he can breathe a little bit easier because of what happened last night to the Raiders, but he's got Baltimore to worry yeah. about in Miami. This is a game probably for his season. He is playing against his mentor, Bill Belichick, um, uh, who beat him, I think, in the first or second game of the year. Miami is a much better team now. But Belichick is also 21-5 and against rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. I got this stat the other day doing PTI. And uh, Tua is a rookie quarterback. That's a, this is a real big game. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think it's a huge game for the – for the Dolphins and a, and a huge game for the Ravens. There's no doubt about yep. it. Um, Miami yep. wins this game. I, I believe they'll they'll beat a, a bad Raiders defense 
next week. And then in week 17, I don't think by the time we get to week 17, Tone, I don't think Buffalo will have anything to play for. Buffalo wins at Denver this week. They clinch the division. I think by week 16, Buffalo is locked into a playoff spot or spots. Um, If they don't have a path to the first overall seed, and I suspect they won't, then that's their bye week because there's only one bye this week, which means Miami goes, you know, up to Buffalo, and yeah, those elements won't be perfect for them, um, you know, from a weather standpoint. But I don't think Buffalo. I think it's the JV team. So th- th- this game could end up deciding the seventh uh, and final playoff participant in the AFC because Baltimore is playing Jacksonville and then a Giants team, which is now has they're going to win issues and uh, yeah, has quarterback yeah. issues. And then uh, Baltimore finishes with a very bad Cincinnati team. So this is, this is a massive game. Um, you're right, Belichick generally has a little something-something for rookie quarterbacks. And Belichick, I can tell you this much, he's not going to the playoffs, but Bill Belichick does not want to have a losing season. He does not want people to say, oh, well, when you don't have Brady, you're a loser. At the very least, he wants to go 500. Um, and certainly, he is not a guy who, when people leave the nest, is all about uh, building them up, watching them succeed, basking in their success. No, he wants them to fail. I'm the guy. That's right. I'm the man. That's right. I created you. You have the audacity to leave, and you have the audacity to leave and stay in my division? Off with your heads. So, uh, And they're still not completely, you know, they, they, they still, I guess, have a little something to play for. Um, this will be a very interesting football game. I There's a part of me that feels like they could run the ball 45 times. They could tire out that defense in the second half, and Miami does have a good defense. Uh, and, and he'll have a trick or two for Tua, that, although that kid has not turned the ball over, and although that kid played the best football of his life in the second half against the Chiefs, and it was almost enough to lead a comeback from down 30-10. to 10, this will be a little different spot. And they weren't expected to beat the Chiefs, but now they probably feel like they have to beat the Patriots if this whole thing is, is going to come to fruition and, and they're going to uh, punctuate the rebuild with a playoff appearance. Uh, this, to me, is one of the more fascinating games of the week. I agree. Uh, and, and I there, again, there is a part of me that feels like this is the kind of spot where Belichick puts coal in somebody's stocking. So um, I'm going to give you a game that is not an important game at all. It really isn't. The Giants and the Browns, it's not an important game. But it has this delicious irony that Freddie Kitchens, Freddie Kitchens, who coached the Browns for an hour and a half and was a terrible choice from the moment he was named. And I said this on PTI. I said, this is a one-year guy, and I've never been more right on that guy. But he gets to call the plays because Jason Garrett has come yeah. down with the coronavirus, call the plays against his former team. That's, that's pretty cool, right? I mean, what, what are you hoping yeah. for in that one? Um, yeah, and this is, this is a game with, 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 I don't think it's the worst game of the week or anything like that by, by a long shot because the Giants are still fighting for a division crown. That's and, right. That's and the right. Browns, if the Browns lose this game, they are in trouble because Baltimore swept them. So Baltimore has the head-to-head tiebreaker. So there, there's a scenario that exists where Miami, you know, that takes care of business and Baltimore runs the table. And if the Browns slip up, the Browns don't get in. Uh, and, and the Browns, after this game, play the Jets next week, which I don't think, I mean, I, the Browns could play a C-level, C-minus, D-plus game and probably still win. And then the Browns in Week 17 play the Steelers. And if the Steelers win uh, against the Bengals this week, they've clinched the division. And maybe Pittsburgh's still playing for a number one seed in Week 17. I think it's much more likely, given all their injuries, how much they're limping around, how bad their quarterback looks, how bad their entire offense looks, I think it's far more likely that Week 17 is their bye week. And, and because of the age and because of uh, the, 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 the productivity or lack thereof by the quarterback, I, I think Tomlin is given everybody he can possibly give the week off in Week 17. So this is another one where if, if the Browns are going to stub their toe, um, 
much like the Dolphins, it probably happens right here in Week 15 if it happens at all. Yeah. Giants have a really good defense, but Bradbury, you know that the corner is one of their top two or three players, and and you know he's on the uh, the COVID restricted list now, um, as well as Jason Garrett. And with this situation, you never know from hour to hour and day to day who else may join them by the time we get to kickoff. Um, the Browns offense. I mean, you look at what they did in the first half against Tennessee and the second half against Baltimore. If you put those two halves together, that's about as dominant of an offensive performance as you're going to get. I mean, Tony, in the second half against Baltimore, it was 39 plays, uh, 290 yards, 28 points. Uh, They were averaging 7.4 yards per play. The only time they got off the field in the second half was the first down uh, interception that Baker Mayfield threw to Tyus yeah. Bowser? That's, no, that, they were, they're, they're they've had. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I'll, I'll give you. I'll get you out of here on this because it's an it's an analogous game to the Giants and Browns. Really, it's Washington and Seattle. Yeah. Playoff implications both ways. Do you take the Washington football team seriously at this point? I take the defense seriously. I take Chase Young seriously. I take Sweat seriously. I take Deron Payne seriously. Uh, I take Jonathan Allen seriously enough. Um, that that front is legit. Um, I was never a big math guy, Tone. I was more of a history and English guy. But I do know this much. I know this equation. When my four can beat your six, I'm going to win some football <laughs> games. And if I'm now forcing my four is forcing you to keep seven or more into block, that I'm now taking you out of your offense. I am taking you away from what you want to do in modern football. I'm taking you out of spread formations. I'm taking you out of attacking my secondary the way you would like to. I am now forcing your modus operandi on offense to be protecting your quarterback from my four. And that numbers game works in the favor of anybody, any, any defensive coordinator, any football coach. I think Bostic's playing the best football of his career. Um, they're getting a little more out of the linebacker, so now it's not just a front four, it's a front seven. Um, and, and that's able to cover up a lot of warts. And, and now it's not just a defense you fear, but it's also a scoring defense. When you put the ball on the ground, when you fumble, when you hear footsteps and you tip the ball up in the air and they catch it, they can take it to the house. And they're, they're, they're probably going to have to do that a time or two more down. Yeah, they have the no offense. Because the offense yeah. is, is really, really limited. I mean, even when Alex Smith's in there, and he protects the football, and he does a lot of good things. But the last month, he's averaging 5.7 yards per attempt. I mean, there's teams in this league running for over five yards attempt. This is their passing game, 5.7. Um, getting Gibson back at some point would be huge because that now you, you, you at least have the chance to hit a home run on the ground because you're not going to hit a lot of home runs through the through the air. Um, maybe you get in Terry's hands, uh, you know, on a crosser, on a slant a few times, and he picks up a bunch of yak. I think yak is absolutely imperative for them now just to have some explosion plays where they get themselves in better field position where they flip uh, the script of the game. Uh, but but there, there, there are limitations there. Um, if Haskins can just protect the football, They'll be in some games, though. There's, there's no doubt about that. Seattle doesn't have an elite offensive line. And Russell has turned it over quite a bit this year. Um, yeah, after the first five or six games. Yeah, yeah, way more than we're accustomed to see him doing. Uh, and, and as much as, as Washington has limitations on uh, offense, Seattle has limitations on defense. So they do. I, I, if I was playing this game, I would uh, probably take the points. And I think Washington can can hang around, and uh, it'll it'll kind of be one of these games that comes down to who turns it over uh, and who does not. Okay. Uh, for by the way, for families that are listening, when Jason refers to yak, he's not talking about a giant animal that looks like a buffalo. He's no, talking sir. about yards after catch, just in case kids are saying, "What is yak, Daddy?" Uh, yeah, plug your show for us, and, and not. Uh, not upchucking either. Yeah, no. Right. Plug your show. Neither. We Thank want you, you to Tom. do that. Um, if you if this was not uh, sufficient, if you did not get your fill of 
me yakking, <laughs> then please tune to 105.7 The Fan or check out the radio.com app. From 2 to 6, Jason Lockenfor, Ken Wyman, Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan. We will be talking all things Baltimore sports and plenty of, of NFL in general as well. And our producer, Cordell Woodland, is a huge supporter of the Washington football team. So we always talk a little bit of that, too. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Happy holidays, as always. You too, Jason. Talk to you soon. Jason Lockenfora, boys and girls, with his dog, Copper. And used to bark and then threw, Copper threw his hips out. Then he had to have an operation, so Jason doesn't want him to bark anymore, which is why he doesn't do the Baltimore accent. We will take a break. Jeff Ma will pick some games when we return. Um, he was two and three last week, I believe. Everybody had a, well, all the humans had a bad week last week. And Carville is, Carville's done for the year. I mean, he's out. Yeah, every week he's opted out. Yeah. He opted out to get ready for the pros. He opted out. That's, I understand that. I understand. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Butcher Box ad. I don't really need it. I mean, I don't really need to read it. I'm happy to read it, but I've endorsed this on a personal level before, you know, we got the advertising because you know, I got it. My daughter got it for me and I really like it. Um, although I am angry that, you know, I don't get the free steaks as Michael knows. This is, you know, or, oh, bacon for life. Yeah, I want the bad. bacon for life. Yeah. I'm on the site right now. Yeah, I would, you know, anyway. Uh, so you order it and let me just, I'll read a few things. Um, all the meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Each box has nine to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh and shipped frozen and vacuum sealed. So it stays that way. You can customize your box or go with one of theirs. We get steaks, we get pork chops, we get a whole chicken, we get salmon and we get, um, ground beef. That's what we get all the time. Yeah, it goes to the all beef box. I like that. I mean, I, it's not all beef because no, I get the salmon. I like the, the salmon. I like the salmon. It's the best meat shipped right to your door, which means one less trip to the grocers. Options like 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar nitrate-free bacon. It's the way meat should be. With ButcherBox, you get the highest quality meat around for just $6 a meal. So now I'm, I'm going to read the call to action. It must be read verbatim. Bacon for Life is back. Right now, new members can get Bacon for Life when they sign up. Well, I don't have Bacon for Life. I don't. I, remember that movie Lust for Life? It was about Vincent Van Gogh. Oh, I right, I don't have yes. Bacon for Life. Just go to butcherbox.com slash Tony. That's a package of free bacon in every box for the life of your subscription. That's good for butcherbox.com slash Tony, B-U-T-C-H-E-R-B-O-X.com slash Tony, T-O-N-Y. Use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Wow. This is a woman named Julia Alsaraf and a song called Won't Feel It. The letter from Sarah goes like this. Growing up, PTI was the only show my mother allowed us to watch while at the dinner table. My family is and always has been very sports-oriented. I've tried over the years to get my friends interested as well. I spent the majority of the last 20 years trying to get my very musically talented friend Julia to be interested in baseball. Around 2016, I finally succeeded after she'd moved away from Houston to Troy, New York. I told her the Astros were a lovable team, and they were good guys and a great story, so no one would give her too much grief for liking them. Around the same time, I started begging her to send me a song to send into the show that you would play. I would love it if you could play her song and restore her trust in me, since right now she doesn't believe anything <laughs> I say, obviously because of the Astros. Oh, she got a ring. That's from, that's from Sarah. This is beautiful. Julia Alsarath. Just beautiful. Michael, if people like Julia want to send in or have their best friends send in their music and give us permission to use it, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Two wonderful musical interludes today. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, Julia plays in Jeff Ma. Jeff, last week, what was Jeff last week? Were you two and three, I think, Jeff, right? I was, yep. Two and three, which means that overall at this point, you are... 33, 33, and 3. That's unbelievable. 
You're right at the number. That's just terrific. That's terrific. So I have a question for Chuck Todd, from Chuck Todd for you. Um, And he talked about the fact that when there's like, and you've done this a lot with the Jets, when there's a double-digit underdog and the Jets are getting 17 this week against the Rams. He said 30 years ago, you bet the dog all the time. The last five years, though, he believes that the favorites are covering in these games. Do you have any you know, feel about that or statistics about that, that there's been a swing in those sorts of games recently? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the recently, yeah, I think early and earlier on, uh, double-digit dogs covered at a pretty good clip. But, you know, what's basically happened in a lot of these situations is as people have been able to track this much more, they've looked at these kind of situations, and they all, you know, markets tend towards efficiency over time. So double-digit dogs have no longer become, you know, something that you sort of blindly bet. Um, I don't think you're blindly betting the other way either. So um, I, I just think it's one of those things that over time. And, and one of the things about NFL season, you know, it's 16 games for each team, which generally is a small sample size. Um, people have a hard time understanding that. But, like, it, you know, there's just not that many games in an NFL season. So that's why when you actually model games from an analytical standpoint, you have to break them down into units that are smaller than games so that you have more sample size, i.e. plays, um, et cetera. Um, to the point of betting, Nigel said before we went on that, that you had observed something in the Cleveland-Baltimore game, which was a great game on Monday night, absolutely great game that Baltimore won at the end on a Justin Tucker field goal, and then they added a safety, so they won by five baltimore Baltimore obviously covered in that situation. What happened late with the line? Well, it was, a, it was a fascinating game in many ways, right? Because there were a bunch of things that happened in that game um, that influenced the betting lines or that influenced the, the outcome in terms of a betting standpoint. So the, the game was, was even at one point um, and then got sort of bet all the way up to Baltimore minus three. So the, there you are, you have Baltimore minus three. You have a situation where Baltimore was obviously up by two touchdowns, and then Cleveland scores to you know to get it to eight, and then they go for two at that point. So, Tony, do you do you understand that logic, or are you in the camp that that doesn't make any sense? That Cleveland up by eight goes for two. No, no, no. is that what Baltimore you're asking me? Up by Baltimore is up by fourteen. Cleveland right. scores a touchdown to make it. Uh, only an eight-point deficit. And so right. just kicking the extra point, they go for two. This is the new analytics thing that everyone goes, oh, this is analytics. And I think a lot of people don't quite understand why they do this. So I think, you know... Please explain. People, which, yeah, explain. Well, the reason they do this is because, essentially, it gives that you a better chance to win the game. Um because one of the things that people don't understand about this sort of two-point math is that tying the game actually only gives you about a, you know, tying the game and then actually, like, giving the ball to the other team gives you a less than 50% chance to win. So if you go for two at that point, you're actually giving yourself a chance to win in regulation. Now, the problem is that Cleveland did this with 14 minutes left. Usually you want to do this with, you know, when there's only going to be one possession by the other team right. left. Um, right. But but the, the whole point of this, and, and actually um, the ESPN team did a great job, Steve, Steve, Steve Levy did a great job explaining this, and it's that you want to avoid going to overtime because a lot of people believe that going to overtime is equates to winning, right? It's the same reason that you know people kick field goals often when they should probably just go for it. Like You want to try to win the game in regulation because overtime is at best a 50-50, 50-50 opportunity. Well, look what happened last night in overtime. Uh, you kick a field goal and you think you're safe, and then the Chargers go right down the field. They got a, like a 70 yard pass play, right? And they end up putting it yeah. in, and they win. Yeah, they win. All right. And then All right. The other thing that happened. The other thing that happened in that Cleveland game was that safety, right? Because the, essentially, what happens at that point is you have Baltimore up by three points, and then the safety at the end of the game completely swings things because yes, you know Baltimore had been a three-point favorite, as we mentioned. So a lot of people that had bet Baltimore or Cleveland late would have just been pushing at that point. But then you get that safety, and it puts it to a point where basically everyone that bet Baltimore would, was winning. 
Yeah, and if you bet Cleveland, you feel, what are you people doing? You're crazy. All right, give us what you got this week. So this week we're going to start with, uh, let's see here. Um, we're going to go with, um, first of all, the New England Patriots plus the two. Um, this is actually a very interesting game because I think at, at first blush you would say this is crazy, but it's mostly a, a testament to Miami um, being a bit of an overrated team. And, um, you know, New England obviously played this team in the first week of the season and, and won Ran over pretty comfortably. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you think about the fact that we're saying that home field isn't worth very much, um, New England probably should be favored in this game, as, as strange as that sounds. But um, Miami has gotten a lot of, you know, um, there's just a lot of buzz about them being sort of an, a, a much better elite team this year. But I, I don't think they're as nearly as good as people think they are. New England's going to um, New England should be favored in this game. Okay. What else? I'm going to take Houston plus the seven and a half. Um, I think this is just too many points. I mean, this is like the the buildup is that like you know, Houston has quit, um, and then you know that that is sort of built into the line here that they've just kind of they're just going to kind of give up because they have nothing mm-hmm. to play for. But in the NFL, often this is just not the case. Like teams still continue to play as hard as as they would. Like there's just this this you know these guys are professionals and they still want to win this game. And I think seven and a half is too many points against Indianapolis. Okay. We're going to take your team, the, the football team, plus the six against Seattle. Obviously, this line is is. Is much higher because of, of Haskins uh, versus Smith. Yes, but honestly, yes. like I'm not, I'm not sure in what world that that Haskins is that much worse than Smith. Smith is the most conservative. Um, you know, he he gives you the, the the least upside, and I think with this defense, that might have been what they really wanted. Uh, but Haskins has higher variance, and I honestly think that this is a he gives them a better chance to win this game. It may not be a situation where he gives them a better chance to cover, but he gives them a better chance to win this game. And this line is just inflated. And, and honestly, if you want to bet Washington, you might might as well wait because it seems like it's going to continue to go up. Okay. What else you got? Um, we're going to go with New Orleans plus the three and a half against Kansas City. Um, everyone now is actually jumping off the Taysom Hill bandwagon, but he was not the reason they lost that game. The reason they lost that game was that first half where they probably didn't have a lot of understanding of what to do against Jalen Hurts and, and their defense played poorly. I mean, there's no excuse for what they did from a defensive standpoint, but um, I still believe that this is a situation where Taysom Hill will play well. And, and I mean, listen, Kansas city is the best team in the league, but again, like I think this is a situation where new Orleans, plus the three-and-a-half. New Orleans is probably the second-best team in the NFL. Um, I just like them getting the points here. Okay. You got another for us? Yeah, last one is going to be Minnesota, minus the three. Um, these two teams are, you know, not – it's funny because this is like sort of that loser-leaves-home, um, you know, game. But I, I like Minnesota in the way they're – you know, they played um, t- towards the end of the season, whereas, like, Chicago's – Besides last week has been kind of trending down um, and in Minnesota here as a three point favorite. I like them. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Jeff and Rufus Peabody are doing a podcast called bet the process. The only one I might disagree with here, because I don't think Chicago's any good at all. I don't know. I think Kansas city's, you know, Kansas city wins all the time. You know what I mean? They just look like the best team in football. Don't they to you? They look like the best team. I mean, they are the best team in football. So it's yeah. not, again, this isn't a matter of like me saying Kansas City's bad. It's just a matter of me saying three and a half points um, against what I consider to be the second best team in football that, um, you know, will, it arguably needs a real bounce back here. And these are narratives yes. that we don't like to think about, but just the numbers would say that this line should be less than three and a half. Um, and that, that three number, that three threshold is big. So getting three and a half points here is good. Yeah, the, the half. I think the half is, is meaningful. Thank you, Jeff. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye, Tony. Jeff Ma, boys and girls. Um, we will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Hello. 
here comes Tony's mailbag. We've got your emails and notes. It's Mr. Tony's mailbag. We'll read some for all you folks. Well, maybe not your email. It's neither smart nor funny, nor is it a haiku. It's Mark Schaefer, right, and the Schaeferettes at some point, or is that just Mark Schaefer with layering his own voice time and time again? That's lovely. Nigel, why don't you do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Thank you, Mr. Tony. Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you in the Washington, D.C. area and stop on by. We got the sandwiches today, sausage sandwiches. It was a good day. Yes. Every day you go Michael got the sausage. at me. Michael's happy he got the sausage sandwich because there were two of them and one of the bacons. So, okay. <laughs> good. I guess that'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say day after day, I'm more confused. I look for the light through the pouring rain. You know, that's a game that I hate to lose. I'm feeling the strain. Ain't it a shame? Give me the beat, boys. Free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. I believe he is the late, great Dobie Gray. I hope he's not late and great, just great, but I don't think he's with us anymore. Thanks to our guest today, Jason Lockenfour of CBS Sports and Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks as well to our sponsors, Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max, starting Christmas Day, and ButcherBox. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Wayne Barber in Front Royal. Glad to have Nigel's news summary back. We, a lot of people like that, that we had Jeannie on and we did the news and we all worked together with it. There's just something about a Brit using an NFL expression to assess the U.S. presidential election <laughs> that always works with me. By the way, I'm sorry I missed the first couple hours of Kevin's weather forecast. Um, from Jake Welch in Ward 2, a shout out to Tony for recommending Tom Callahan's book, Gods at Play. My first wife and I were shopping at Barnes & Noble. My first wife, so great. In Alexandria last Tuesday, I told her I was looking for a sports book. She said Tony had plugged Gods at Play on his show a few weeks ago. I finished the book last Saturday. Great read. It's now in our bestseller library next to Pumping Irony. A final salute to Crystal Lizza and Chuck Todd, my former co-workers, when I was not away from my desk. That's very nice. I think he's just referring to his wife as his first wife. I, Current so, wife. Yeah, I like that. I like that to introduce... Your wife as your first wife. I like that. From Alex Lau in New York City. I don't think City, Carol liked that. When you read an email from Anthony in Huntington, New York, I had a David Aldridge moment. I know that town, I explained. I grew up in Huntington. I went to Huntington High School. I beamed with pride until the next words out of your mouth were that he owned a Subaru and read the Subaru magazine. Please know that this man does not reflect all Huntingtonians. No wonder he didn't include his last name. He didn't want to be outed as a Subaru owner, or a Subi, as he put it. And yes, I made an audible yuck sound as I wrote the word Subi. More of a BMW town. From Nancy in Abita or Abida Springs, Louisiana, I listen to your show every day that you produce one. The Bethesda Bagel ad piqued my interest. Since I live in Louisiana... Um, and I know uh, stores here that ship crawfish and other Louisiana delicacies. I logged on to Bethesda Bagel site, hoping to get some shipped to me. To my surprise, they don't ship. Don't they know they're getting worldwide advertising through your show and they're missing millions of dollars in sales by not shipping? Please see what you can do. I want to try the crawfish. From Little Renee West in Chicago, imagine my gleeful surprise when I binge-watched the HBO show Industry and one of the main characters, Harper, went to SUNY Binghamton. Oh, they call her Harper. Oh, that's so interesting. Now with a that, U or an Harper. E? That's with an E, is written here by Renee West. She forged her transcript because she had a panic attack in her last exam and didn't graduate, but she went to SUNY Binghamton. That's what we all did. That's what we all did. Scott <laughs> Beckett in Minneapolis. Dear Dr. Kornheiser, good for you for putting NFL Red Zone in its place. PTI has done 4,000 shows. Red Zone a mere 200. What are they thinking, claiming an accomplishment? Those braggarts at Red Zone have only produced 1,400 hours of television in seven years, while PTI has produced 88,000 minutes of Emmy-winning gold in 20 years. I guess apples to apples, that's PTI's 88,000 minutes to Red Zone's 84,000 minutes, and they did it in 14 less years. Well, I guess technically Red Zone has produced an average of 12,000 minutes per year, while PTI has produced something like 4,200 minutes per year. But I digress. It's garbage like this was why people hate analytics. All junk. <laughs> Uh, Ron St. Amon in Toronto. Since we're sharing, I thought 
you'd like to hear about my last round of golf. Right, left, right, way right. That was just the first hole. Somewhere in the front nine, I made so many left turns, I did a 360-degree revolution on a number 11. Hit a ball so far to the right, I went back in time. I ought to do the things I'm good at, like putting and drinking. From Joey, thanks for continuing the show during these crazy times. You and the crew have kept me sane. I often listen to you while working out with FitBot. I use the code. And during the pandemic, I've gotten into a groove. I haven't lost any weight, but I haven't gained any either. And my wife says she likes where the weight is now more than where it used to be. So I guess that's progress. Maybe I'll have to grab a rope and measure myself in one of those suits Nigel talks about. I laugh when you read an ad for FitBot while I'm using it. And I wonder if this counts as a David Aldridge moment. It might. I'm not sure. From Bill Matfield from Fort Mill, South Carolina. Writing from the Occoquan River, though, between Manassas and Woodbridge, Virginia. I know you were concerned about pronunciation, but it's not pronounced Eli as in the former interception machine for the Giants, but Ely. This is in Minnesota, I believe, right? Ely, Minnesota? My oh, friend. yes, that's my, right, yes. My father is from Minnesota, and we would go camping up there. The place is north of Lake Superior, if you can imagine that. So Alex Wentz is absolutely right. There's nothing to do except go fishing and swimming in the lake, which as a kid was all I needed. Still, lest I don't get any invitations to return, Ely is a pretty nice place, and I would go back. From Justin Whaley in Olath or Olathe, Kansas, Olathe, O-L-A-T-H-E. Olathe. Olathe, all right. Jason Blazer from Lake Whatchamacallit, Michigan. I know that guy. Jason and I are fellow members of working at a failed restaurant. I've known Jason since 2006 when we worked at the failed Elephant Bar restaurant in Overland Park, Kansas. And I know where that is because that's the home of the NCAA. But the main, oh no, that's, it used to be. Now that's Indianapolis. But- um, Overland Park, Kansas, it's right near the University of Kansas, right? Sure. Yeah, it is. But the main reason for this email is last week I noticed that my shark fin antenna cover got knocked off on my commute. As I was on my way home, I noticed an advanced auto parts shop. And since advanced has everything related to automobiles, I should have this minor repair fixed quickly. False. Advanced does not carry any shark fin antenna covers for any models at that location. I was told I had to order the specific part. Reminds me of the time Michael drove all the way to Staples to purchase a label maker to send out the old shattered T-shirt, but was fuel. also told to order it online. Just another example of how these brick-and-mortar places fail the common man who is willing to pay money for a product but come out empty-handed. P.S. I use Grammarly to compose this email. The app pointed out that the tone of the text is worried, sad, and anxious. Do you agree? I would go for that, right? Cassandra in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Can I be the official Cassandra of the show? I drive an Audi. Yes, you can do that. And I guess, should I do one more? showing off now. Should I do one more? Let's see who I've got here. Okay. It's a lot of pressure on the live From Jeff in Bend, Oregon. Is Bend where? You get this wrong every time. Bend is not where where the golf course is? Isn't it in Bandon? Bandon Dunes is not in Bend, Oregon? I thought you get this wrong. Okay. I'll look it up. Dr. Hoffwaff, I'm making it through the forecast. It's... Nice of Kevin to read it real time for us. Not sure how my phone could download a four-month-long podcast. Also, at your recommendation, we bought a Subaru, but they didn't honor the promo code. I assume you can fix this. <laughs> Thanks. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom, goes and the dynamite. boom goes the dynamite. <laughs>
Call me up. 